Hey Church, it's great to have you here with us today. We are wrapping up our Pray Like Blank series and I think it's been an incredible journey as we've delved throughout uh, various characters within the Bible, looking at how they pray and how we can learn and develop our prayer life through looking at their examples. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you enjoy this final part in the series. We're a church that believes that prayer is powerful. We believe that when we call on the name of Jesus, incredible, supernatural, miraculous things will happen because God isn't a distant God. He's not a a disinterested God. He's a loving father and a faithful friend who loves you, who wants to have relationship with you, who wants to see you thrive in the incredible plans and purposes that he's got for your life. And how do we build a relationship like that with him well everyone knows that communication is the key to relationship you've got to talk to someone if you want to build relationship get to know them you tell them what you're thinking they tell you what they're thinking and it's no different with God we've got to talk with him we've got to have conversation with him and that looks like prayer so we've got to pray to him it's so important for our walk as Christians that we have a strong prayer life it's our it's our lifeline It's a privilege for us to be able to go direct to Creator, to Heavenly Father, to God All-Powerful, to be able to share our life with Him, to be able to do this journey together, to be able to, you know, cry out to Him, to be able to lean on Him, to be able to just spend time having conversation with Him. And do you know what? It's His joy to speak with us. He loves it when we pray with Him. He loves it when we talk with Him. So it's His joy. Believe that. He is overjoyed when you speak with him. So as we bring this series to a close today, I, wanna, I wanted to choose an example of prayer that, that hopefully kind of summarised a lot of the points that we've been looking at over the past few weeks. And, and I believe that the character that we're going to look at this morning does just that. So we're going to look at pray like Jonah. Pray like Jonah. I think Jonah is a story that most of us will know quite well, whether it's from Sunday school days or school or or whatever. It's a story that we all know quite well. But I want to just spend a few moments today looking at how he responded to God from the belly of a fish. Why don't we read from Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. It says this, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the whale, of the fish, three days and three nights. You know, throughout the Bible, there are shadows of Jesus, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament. We can see Jesus everywhere in the Bible. And do you know someone else who spent three days and three nights somewhere? His name is Jesus. When he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, and then on the third day, he resurrected, bringing life and restoring that relationship with God so that we're able to do the very thing that we're discussing throughout this series, to be able to pray, to be able to have direct conversation with God. That was the purpose of Jesus coming to earth so that he could rebuild that relationship. So we flipping shouldn't take it for granted. We need to realise that this is so important in our lives. So we're looking at Jonah today, one of the minor prophets of Israel. And 
I don't know about you, but I feel like the minor prophets get a bit of a bad rep with that name. They're not minor because they're less important. They're just called minor prophets because the books in the Bible are smaller than the, the major prophets. That's the only reason. So, so Jonah was a prophet. He was, he was actually known as the reluctant prophet. For those of us who know this story uh, well, you'll, you'll know exactly why. Because he quite literally ran in the opposite direction of God's purpose in his life. What are, what are we running from today? What, what should we be running to? Who knows that, you know, you can't outrun God. You can run for sure, but you can't hide from God. So, so ask yourself this morning, what, what are you running from? What, what has God got for you on the other side of fear? What's God got for you on the other side of your fear? So Jonah, he gets on this boat and, you know, God's given him this, this call, this direction that he needs to go to Nineveh to, to encourage them to repent and to change their lifestyle. So he hops on a boat going two and a half thousand miles in the opposite direction to where he was meant to be. And, and you know, we pick up the story, he's downstairs, he's, he's having a nap and the storm begins to rage. It's a supernatural storm that just kind of blows up out of nowhere and starts to knock the boat and to shake it from side to side. And the sailors are like, OK, something is not right here. This is not an, this is not your average storm. They recognize that straight away. Someone has done something to cause this storm. So they're like, OK, who is it? Own up. And they're all kind of looking at each other and, and no one's giving in. So they're like, OK, let's go and grab Jonah. We don't know him. Let's go and see what's going on. So they go down and they call on Jonah and say, come on up, let's have this conversation. You know, sometimes God sends a storm to get our attention. Sometimes God sends a storm to get our attention and it'll only settle if we surrender to God's plan. You know, we've talked about this attitude of surrender, of laying down our, our will and putting God's will above our own throughout this series. And here it is again. You see, this is Jonah's storm. It's not the sailor's storm. This is Jonah's storm, but they're suffering the consequences of his actions. Have you thought about that? They're suffering the consequences of his actions. So let's just flip this just for a moment and let's maybe ask ourselves, who are we letting on our boat? Who are we letting on our boat? Is there something in our lives where we're suffering the consequence of someone else's actions? Maybe we need to look around and see if there's someone that we need to throw overboard so that our lives can, can calm down and we can get back to focusing on what we're supposed to be doing. You know, someone else's drama doesn't need to be your drama. That'll preach, I think, but that's not one for today. So, so the sailors, they, they gathered round, uh, they called Jonah up, gathered round to try and figure out what was going on, who's done something wrong to cause this supernatural storm. And fair play to him, Jonah admits it straight up, no kind of denial, he just says, yep, okay, it's my fault, I am, uh, I am running in the opposite direction, I'm fleeing from God. It's me, it's my fault that we're in this situation. And so they're like, okay, great. You probably could have given us a heads up before you got on the boat, but now we're here, we're in this situation. What are we going to do? And so Jonah says, well, there's only one thing you can do. Throw me overboard. Throw me over into the storm. And they do. And you know, as soon as he hits the water, 
as soon as he hits the water, the storm subsides. So how powerful a picture is this? Yes, Jonah made a mistake. Yes, he ran away from God. Yes, he made a conscious decision to disobey God. But then when he was confronted with it, when he was convicted of his actions, he made a conscious decision to lay down his life. I don't think for one second that he thought when they threw him overboard, what was going to happen was going to happen. I expect that he was thinking, I'm going overboard into this storm and I'm going to drown. This is it. This is the end of me. This is my punishment for disobeying God. And so he says to them, throw me overboard with just disregarding his life, recognizing that that his plans aren't important, but God's plans are. He was surrendering. He was saying, do you know what? I have I have wronged you, God. I have I have gone against you. I've disobeyed you. So I'm just going to lay down my life right now. You know, Jesus says, whoever loses his life will find it. And it was John the Baptist who said, God, less of me and more of you. You see, these phrases, these examples are basically people saying that we need to put God first, that we need to lay down our lives, that we need to forget about our own desires, forget about our own wants and our own wishes and the things that we think are important and say, I'm going to lay it all down and let your will come first. I'm going to lay it all down and say, God, what do you want from me? And so Jonah recognised that he disobeyed God, that he shouldn't have done that. And so he lays down his life. And what happens Well, we know really well, don't we, that a fish comes and swallows him whole. Out of God's grace, out of God's goodness, he sends a fish to save Jonah. It swallows him up. And, you know, I had a quick look, a bit of research into what creature could have possibly swallowed a man whole. What what could it have been? I don't know if that's something that interests you, but I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. What could it be? Well, there were a few options. Sperm whale came up top of the list. They grow to be 70 foot long and have the, a big enough mouth and, I don't know, throat to be able to swallow a man whole. But guess what else? A great white shark. Imagine if it was a great white shark. I mean, this is scary enough getting swallowed by a fish, but if it was a shark with massive teeth, well, they've been known to swallow people whole, apparently, according to the internet. How trustworthy is that? I don't know. But there's some other options. There's some uh, fish called a grouper, and they are just ginormous fish with big old mouths. So it could have been a grouper or a giant squid was also mentioned. There were a whole load of, of options and some people who have claimed to be swallowed by whales. If you're interested, get online, Google it. There's some interesting, questionable stories out there. But it doesn't really matter what creature it was, but I am pretty sure that no matter what it was, it was petrifying for Jonah to, you know, he's already kind of floundering around in this raging storm. And then this giant sea creature comes open, mouth open wide and gobbles him up whole. It's just like, you can't imagine it, can you? But then think about what happens next. For three days and three nights, he spends his time inside the belly of this fish. Can you get that picture in your mind? What what might it have felt like? I, I mean, a bit cramped, I imagine. A pretty disgusting smell and sitting in who knows what. And 
pitch black probably you know it must have been pretty crazy and so actually you wouldn't have uh, have i don't know questioned jonah if he'd have just been like god is punishing me right now if jonah had have just been sitting there thinking this is a hideous situation for me to be in god is punishing me for my actions but actually in actual fact god wasn't punishing jonah god was providing for and protecting jonah if he hadn't have sent this fish to swallow him whole jonah absolutely would have drowned he would have been dead in this moment and yet here he is alive it was pretty disgusting for sure but he was alive and so i think you know we can learn something from that can't we there's something that we can that we can glean from this situation we might look at whatever it is that we're going through we might look at our circumstances and think to ourselves god is punishing me i don't know whether you're running away from god or whether you've you've done something wrong and you look at what's going on in your life god is punishing me this is his punishment for my actions for my wrongdoing for my lack of faith or whatever it is but you know it might not be until we come out the other side that we recognize that actually what we were going through was god's provision it was god's protection over our lives so whatever situation you find yourselves in don't moan don't think that god is punishing you but stay thankful stay faithful because god is blessing you he loves to bless his children so jonah's inside the belly of this fish and he begins to pray well there's nothing else to do is there there's no netflix there's probably no wi-fi signal so he's gonna he just gets down and starts to pray and you know i think that as he begins to pray he he begins to develop a spirit of brokenness you know i shared a bit about this last week during uh, the giving time that actually it's in our brokenness when the grace of God's goodness can shine through. It's in our brokenness that the grace of God's goodness can shine through. The gold that pieces us together, that mends the cracks in our lives as he carefully begins to put us back together, bring us from brokenness to wholeness. That's God's grace, that's God's goodness in our lives. So as Jonah is in the belly, as he as he prays to God out of this place of, of brokenness. It, how, I mean, how do you know when you're broken? You know you're broken when you can pray to God, your will be done, not mine. Your will, not mine. You recognize, you come to this place of humility, which we've talked about, Joe talked about last week and we've talked about in this series, this place of, of just being humble and saying, God, you first, not me. Let me deny myself and put you above anything that I want, anything that I desire. But let me encourage you, brokenness is a season, it's not a destination. Brokenness is a season, it's not a destination. You can't live in the belly of a fish. It's a place for development, it's a place for healing, it's a place for a place for reshaping before being released into your fullness, into God's purpose in your lives. So Jonah prayed. You know, Martin Luther said, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. I think that's is such an encouraging thing to hear. It's so easy to get caught up in worry, isn't it? About fretting about this and that. You know, whether it's big stuff or small stuff, whatever it is, we can get caught up in worry. Pray 
and let God worry. Hand it over to him and then just feel that release. So let's look at at Jonah's prayer. In chapter 2 it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord from Lord his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. So my first point is this, he prayed with passion. He prayed with passion. Just look at the passion and the emotion that flows through his words. I called out from my distress. I cried out to you. These are emotive words. He is clearly feeling strong emotions. He's feeling this this passion within him where he just wants to cry out, scream out, shout out to get God's attention. Do you know, I think sometimes we can be guilty of compartmentalizing our lives and we, we maybe sometimes put church in a box and say, well, do you know what, that's separate, maybe even to the point where our behavior suggests that we believe God is a distant God. You know, maybe we just go through the motions of, of going to church and doing our devotional and saying a prayer before bed or, or whatever it is, but is there really a solid belief that God is near? that God is actually walking on this life with us. Is that belief there? And look at the words that Jonah prays. He's praying with such passion, but not only that, he understands that God is near. He's not just going through the motions thinking, okay, this is what I have to do. This is what is expected of me in this situation. Not at all. There is a belief. There is a faith. There is an understanding that God is near. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. He answered me and he heard my voice. He recognised that God was there, that God was hearing his prayers. So remember this, Jonah Jonah was a prophet. He was literally the the mouthpiece of God to speak to his people. So you'd, you'd think that he had it all together when it came to faith. But he's just an ordinary guy. Like we said when we looked at Elijah, these people that we've been looking at over this series, they're just ordinary men and women who mess up, who make mistakes, who have fears, who have doubts. They're just like you and me. But this prayer that Jonah prays, these are words of desperation from a man who who could have just easily let his current circumstance take him even further away from God. He said, "Okay, I admit it, I've done wrong, throw me overboard, I'll lay down my life and then this fish swallows him up and he could have just been like, are you kidding me? This is even worse. I should have just stayed on the boat. I should have kept on running. But that is not how he reacted. Instead, he saw this was God's provision. He saw that this was God's grace. He was giving him a second chance. He was giving him an opportunity to to do the thing that he was called to do in the first place. He saw that God is not a distant God, that he's not a far off God, but that he's near. He's present and he's ready to hear our prayers. So Jonah prays this, this passionate prayer. And as British people, you know, we have this ridiculous reserve that holds us back from expressing our emotions in any way that might draw attention to ourselves. It's 
it's absolutely ridiculous. You look at other cultures and they are so the opposite. But but for for some reason, as Brits, we have this reserve, this unwritten rule that says you need to just be quiet and calm and not draw attention to yourselves or those around you. But there's a, there are exceptions to this rule in our society. I'm aware of that, as I'm sure you are. Take football, for example. As many of you know, I am not a fan of the sport of football. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they were allowed to play football while we were still in lockdown. Where's the social distancing? I don't care what measures they put in place, it shouldn't have happened. But putting that to one side, you look at football as an example, and this is a a thing that people get passionate about. You see grown men singing, chanting, shouting, crying, fighting for their team. For this, this team that will never know their name. For this team that will never speak to them. For this team that they might look up into the stands, not at the minute, but ordinarily look up into the stands and see this crowd of people cheering them on. But they'll never know them as individuals. But then there's God, who knows us each by name, who knows the number of hairs on our head, who knew us from before we were born and he knows exactly what our lives are going to look like. He's got this personal relationship with us. He sticks closer to us than a brother. He loves us as his children. And yet we don't always have this freedom to get passionate about God. Can we become a church that gets passionate about God? Can we shake off this ridiculous British reserve and begin to shout, begin to cry out, begin to sing, begin to fall to our knees with passion and with emotion and with joy that just overflows outside of any boundaries and any walls that we may have put up, smashes those down and bursts forth in passion? You know, whether that be from joy and excitement over the love and grace of God or or whether it's out of a place of desperation because we recognise that we need God. Whatever it is, let's free ourselves and allow ourselves the freedom to be passionate in the way we express ourselves, in the way that we speak to God. Do you know, when, when we pray, when we talk to God, it doesn't need to be calm. It doesn't need to be posh. It doesn't need to be in a specific way or a specific format. If you're angry, get angry. Shout. Let it come from the depths. If you're joyous, if you're happy, sing about it, jump around, whatever it is. You don't need to be a specific way when you pray. You don't need to follow any guidelines when you pray. You can just let your emotions and your feelings and your passion burst Fourth, let's be passionate in our prayers. You know, I was saying to someone this week that, you know, when we do get back into the church building, one of the hardest things is going to be not being able to join in with worship. Imagine being in a room and and someone's leading you in worship, but you just have to sit or stand there calmly and quietly. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm going to find that challenging because when I'm in a place of worship, when I'm in an attitude of worship, I just want to sing. It's so hard to just kind of hold it back in that sense. And so I think that's going to be the hardest thing, you know, as and when we we get back into 
the church building. But I want to believe that we can become a church who is passionate, who is passionate about hearing from God, who is passionate about seeing him move, about recognising his purpose in our lives and seeing him do incredible, miraculous things in our community. So Jonah prayed with passion, but I also want to just spend a bit of time looking at Jonah's posture. Not because he was hunched down and cramped in this belly of a fish, but what we look at when we see his prayer is that he prayed with a posture of humility. Once again, we're going to touch on this thought of of humility. We've talked about it throughout this series, but that's because it's so important. It's so important to recognise the power and the might of God. Look at Jonah's words in 2 verses 6 and 7. I went down to the land whose bars closed up on me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. He recognised that he was in this situation and only God could bring him out of it. Only God could bring him out of it. You know, his prayers were prophetic. So not only was he assuming a, a posture of humility, he was also assuming a posture of faith. He had faith that God would bring him out of the belly of this fish. Look at verse 9. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pray. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He believed, he had faith that God was going to save him, that God was going to bring him out of his current situation and into a new opportunity, a new chance to fulfill God's purpose in his lives, in his life. He had faith that God would deliver him. He had he had this posture of humility. He had a a posture of faith, but he also had a posture of gratitude. You know, before God had even come through for him, before God had even, had even you know, spit him out onto dry land, before any of that had happened, it, he recognised and he began to thank God, not for what he had done, but for what he was going to do. He had the faith the belief, the hope that God would come through for him. And so he, he thanked God. He began to thank God and praise him. Joe said last week, didn't she, that you can't get into God's courts without first going through his gates of thanksgiving. We need to be thankful in our lives. We need to praise God because of his goodness and just be overwhelmed with thankfulness, with gratitude for not just for what God has done for us, but for what God will do for us in the future. And so that's how Jonah was acting. He was thankful, not thankful that he was in the belly of a fish, although I'm sure he was thankful that he wasn't dead, but thankful for what God was about to do, that God was about to release him and give him another chance. You know, I think for some of you uh, listening today, you know, you might be thinking that, that this is just an impossibility. How on earth can I be thankful? How on earth can I praise God? How on earth can I have the faith and the strength to believe that there is another side to this situation that you're in. Because right now it might seem hopeless. Right, right now it might seem ho- hopeless, but, but let's take this example from Jonah because he was inside the belly of a fish. It must have felt like a hopeless situation, but he was able to see past his current circumstance and to the sure and steadfast hope that can only come from God.
You know, it takes time and pain to fix brokenness. We said, didn't we, that, that Jonah had come to this place of brokenness where he'd accepted his failure, where he'd accepted that he'd done wrong, where he'd accepted that, that he shouldn't have fleed and run away from God's plans. And so he allowed himself to, to be broken in that sense. You know, at the start of lockdown, I, I was very committed to, uh, to doing PE with Joe Wicks. I was doing it five days a week. The kids started off with me and they drifted off like week two, Toby was gone. Week three, Caleb was like, uh, I've had enough really. But I kept going week after week, five days a week. I'm not going to lie, that's dwindled a little now as we came to, you know, kind of halfway point of this lockdown between when it began and now, you know, I just kind of gave up a little bit. I, I made excuses whatever. But when I was doing it, when I was in the moment and I was exercising, you know, I found that that, that later on that day or maybe the next morning, I was in pain. My muscles ached. My muscles ached in places where I didn't even know I had muscles. And I don't know if you know this, but that pain, it has a name. DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. And and what that is, is that as you exercise, as you work out, your muscles begin to stretch and have little tears in them. And that pain is what's caused. And, and what happens is that although you go through this pain, and, and I think that pain would probably be enough of an excuse to not want to exercise again. But, but the reality is that that pain is what you need to go through. But then as the muscles begin to be fixed as they begin to grow back together the tears begin to heal up as that brokenness of the muscle begins to mend they mend back stronger so your muscles might go through this tearing and this breaking and this real discomfort and pain but when they're mended back together it's then that you see strength that you see yourself being stronger and that's that pain is an indication of growth So although we might feel broken in a situation, although we might feel pain and anguish and like we're just struggling, recognize that as we go through that pain, as we go through that brokenness, as we come out of the other side, mended, whole, we'll be stronger for it. We'll be stronger for having gone through what we went through. I think it's incredible that Jonah didn't complain, that from the belly of the whale, he didn't moan about it, he didn't complain about how uncomfortable or grim it was. He he didn't complain or say that God should have just let him drown. Instead, he assumed this posture of gratitude, of thankfulness, of humility, of faith. We're all on a journey, but as we go on that journey, God is molding us and shaping us and forming us into the men and women that he's calling us to be. So I encourage you, wherever you are on that journey, whatever situation you find yourself in, don't quit. Get your posture right. Stand up straight. Walk with an attitude of gratitude and praise God because you might be in the belly of a fish right now, but he's not done mending you. And when he's done with that and when he's fixed the brokenness and when he's worked through that area of growth that you need to get through, He'll spew you right back out into his destiny and his purpose for your lives. So I want to encourage you this morning that whatever you're in, whatever you're facing, 
or whenever in the future or down the line you find yourself in a circumstance that seems horrendous, that seems like God has deserted you, that seems like God has, has left you, recognize that in those seasons, and they are seasons and not destinations, that as you're in that time, God is working on you. He's bringing you to a place of brokenness so that out of that brokenness, he can put you back together piece by piece with such care and such love so that when you come out of the other side, you will be not only whole, but stronger and better for it, better equipped to be able to fulfill the plans and purposes that God's got for your life. So I hope that as we've gone through this these various examples of prayer over these past few weeks as we've, as we've studied and talked about just ordinary men and women of God who saw extraordinary things that happen because of the power of prayer. You know, I hope that it's given you a new passion for your prayer life. Or maybe it's given you the encouragement that you needed to consider praying for the first time. That's great, I hope so. Or Maybe if prayer is something that you do regularly, I hope it's given you the the freedom to pray bolder and bigger prayers, having the faith that God can do incredibly more than we can ask or imagine. So I just want to remind you that the reason that Jesus came to earth, the reason that Jesus died, spent three days in the belly of the earth and then burst forth in his glorious resurrection, was not only to conquer death and to wipe clean our sins, but to restore that relationship with our Heavenly Father so that we have that direct line through prayer to have conversation with God. It is so important to our our walk with Him. So there is no better time to start praying than right now. You know, we'd love to pray with you. If you have got anything that we can be praying for, whether it's uh, healing or whether it's situations that you're facing, please get in touch. Drop it in the comments below. Send us an email. Get on social media. Whatever it is, we just want to hear from you so that we can pray and stand with you and believe with you that we can see together with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, broken people becoming whole, sick people being well men and women of God being released into the fullness of God's plans in their lives. Why don't we pray? Father God, I thank you, first of all, for sending your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. I thank you that because of him, because of his great and incredible sacrifice, the relationship between you and us has been restored and we can now have that freedom to speak with you directly, that we can do life with you, that we can walk with you, that we can bring our requests to you, or we can praise with you, or we can share our joy with you. I pray that we will never take that freedom for granted. And so God, I pray that you will help us with with our prayer lives, that you will help us to be bold in prayer, that you will help us to recognize that we need to come to a place of humility, of recognizing your might and your glory and your goodness. And we need to just say, God, your will be done, not mine. Your will be done and not mine. And so, God, we pray bold prayers. We pray big prayers. We pray specific prayers, believing it with the faith that you not only hear our prayers, but it's your joy to answer them. And so we thank you for your goodness, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.